Blimey. This is one out of a jam jar, you got here. The House of Mystery contains demons, angels, elementals, magicians, wizards, apparitions, adult language, and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not enter the House of Mystery. All right, then. On with the show. Hello, welcome everyone to the House of Mystery, the John Constantine and Friends podcast. I am your host for today's show and all shows. I should probably just remove that aspect from my um, my intro banter. Hello, David. How are you? The bisexual demon butler. Everything is nice and clean, sir, in the torture rooms. Thank you. All right. So today... We have returned to the House of Mystery to continue our discussion on Tom Taylor's deceased sequel. We will be focusing on Deceased, Dead Planet, issue four and five. five. Yes. Now, if you're a new listener, welcome. And just to clarify, we are a John Constantine and Friends podcast. podcast. That yep. means we cover the material that is geared toward them. Yeah. Who are his so-called friends, you might ask? Just to keep it simple, the darker side of DC, elements pertaining to the occult, essentially. Right, Dave? Absolutely. It it has to deal with basically the magic element of DC. Yes. Now, that being said, we won't spend a lot on issue number four. Because not a lot happened that pertains to Johnny and his allies of the dark arts. That's the key there. It had uh, the that issue had very little to pertain to Constantine. It more or less centered on the opposite. Actually, as weirdly, when you put it in parallel, the two issues, issue four dealt with the the polar opposite of Constantine's side of the galaxy, which is all the superheroes, all of the gods, and people might actually say, "Well, they're dealing with the gods." No. They're dealing with the new gods, and that is completely different than saying, you know, dealing with, say, something like, even even if you want to actually throw in Wonder Woman, I especially. I would call the gods the occult, though, necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. And especially with the new gods. We're getting to the weeds here, though, because maybe goddesses, some versions like Hecate might be part of the occult, I would Hecate say. Hecate might be part of the occult, but when you're talking about the new gods, like Orion. Definitely not. Uh, yeah. Miracle Man, yeah, they're Dark not. Side, they're not. Yeah, they're more kind of like the. They're I would darker say theme. They're darker for theme, sure, but they're yeah. more kind of like the classic. Classic. Can you uh, picture them in the House of Mystery? If you can't never. picture them in the House of Mystery, then they don't fucking belong. It's that simple, right? It's, it's that simple. Yeah. They don't belong in here, there. Although I will be honest, I love the New Gods, and I thought no, that, so do I. I love, but, but this isn't a New God show. This isn't a New God show. And if you're a fan of the new gods, you're going to enjoy episode or issue number four. Now, this miniseries is fun, uh, light on substance, heavy on action. Yes. I dig it for what it is. And we've said numerous times now, this is where Taylor really shines. It is. So issue four doesn't really focus much on Constantine, but the writing strategy Taylor utilizes does keep Constantine relevant to the story. By using him to catapult the narrative. What the fuck is happening over there, David? Something happened to my notes. What are you, like, new? (laughs) That was my fault. Cell phones going off in the studio. (laughs) 
All right, so cons- what was I talking about? Now I'm completely thrown <laughs> off. Can I get a new co-host? <laughs> I'm going into that painting, ain't I? <laughs> yes. I, when I ha- and I'm going to have Etrigan torture you. <laughs> She's going to torture me for a while. But sorry about that. <laughs> so issue four, what was I saying? Issue four. Yes. Doesn't really focus much on Constantine, but mm-hmm. the writing strategy that Taylor utilizes does keep John relevant Relevant. to the story by using him to catapult the narrative into action. Uh, This, of course, being John Constantine offering Madame Xanadu's crystal ball as a bargaining chip. Yes. Which, by the way, I fucking laughed out loud because Zatanna's face in the background. Did you get permission to use that? (laughs) And her face was so desperate. It was sheer desperation. Yes. What a great way to capture that entire nuance in terms of the relationship between Constantine and Zatanna. Zatanna. It was so perfect. I did like this because deceased dead planet is all, I mean, okay. So keeping John Constantine connected, what's the best way to say this in issue four, even though he wasn't the main focus, at least he was, they, he was the one that triggered everything. He's, he's the, the one, one that who came up with the plan, right? Which He has to be. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is a John Constantine story. Yeah. Deceased Dead Planet is a John Constantine story. Oh, absolutely. He's he's the the main. main, He's the main character. He's the main hero. Because at the end of the day, all the heroes, including Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, who have returned to the planet to try to save everybody, they have to essentially follow John Constantine's orders because John's been the one that's been leading the charge and trying to defend humanity yeah. while everyone's away. And the thing I really liked when it comes to Constantine in issue number four, he's not there much, but his influence is there very heavily. The entire because, story revolves around his actions. Because at the very beginning, yeah. everyone's coming up with a plan and Constantine immediately walks up to Damien, who is Batman at this point, and basically tells him, okay, you got to, you go do this. I'm going to need to do, go do this. And then Superman, who is John at this point, basically turns to him and says, what do you want me to do? And he says, well, you're going to probably have to do what you're, what Superman does. And basically come in and save the day when shit yeah. hits the fan. Which, <laughs> hey, look, shit's going to hit the fan shit. real soon here. Exactly. If we're following John Constantine's plan. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting to me that basically uh, after issue 5, I'm like going, what the hell did is John's plan? It has to be big. Well, come on, we he's going to slay someone with those weapons he was able to well, it's steal or hijack, but it's not about the fact that he, he the weapons that he took, the items he took. It's the price he has to pay for it. Well, we'll see what that price is. <laughs> I mean, so when it comes to Decease, he is definitely the main protagonist. He's yes. wrapped up in every narrative direction Taylor makes. That's why it was important to maintain his importance in issue four at the beginning, despite sidelining him for, for probably more than 90% of the issue. Uh, some folks might debate the fact that this is a JC story, but think about it. Remove John from the equation and the entire story unravels. There's nothing. Yes. There's nothing. There's Nothing's nothing. there. No one's, no one's going to be able to get the heroes organized enough to go do something. Because remember, the, hero, the, the heroes need Miracle Man. The only person that talked Miracle Man into helping 
was John Constantine with, and, and it wasn't a forced thing either with the relationship between Miracle Man and John Constantine. I actually like the fact that John is the one that is needed to kind of kick Miracle Man in the, in the rear and get him to help out. Yeah. And he, you, of course, using the whole but that was relationship, issue three, right? Yeah. Well, even in issue four, in the very beginning, when everyone when they come back, Miracle Man basically is the uh, instead of like answering to Batman and Superman, you see in a lot of the panels where Miracle Man answers only to Constantine because he knows that Constantine has a plan to bring back Barda. That's why, and that is the only reason why Miracle Man is willing to help out. And I really dig the fact that basically everything hinges on Constantine's plan. It's not bat it's not Batman's plan. It's not even Superman's plan. It is John Constantine's plan. Well, this kind of goes back to the deceased one shot, a good day to die. That he had a point. He had a purpose. Uh, Dr. Fate had showed up with Zatanna at the end saying, this is not your path. It's not time for you to die. You have work to do. The Seas Dead Planet is essentially a sequel to that one shot. Yes. I mean, yes, it's an overall sequel to Deceased in general, but it's definitely a sequel to uh, that one shot. The one shot definitely set the foundation for everything that we're getting in these issues here, Dead Planet. Uh, and how it pertains to John Constantine himself. Mm-hmm. So in issue five, a lot more things happen. A lot. A lot. Issue five is very fun and it is 100% centered around Constantine. This might be my favorite issue <laughs> of the run so far because Tom Taylor includes the most John Constantine moments we've seen yet. I figured it would have because I remember when we, when we uh, were about to cover issue five you asked me, was it good? And I was like, well, I think you'll enjoy this more than issue number four because it has more to do with Constantine. And from page one to the very end, it's all about Constantine and all about like his relationships with all of the heroes that me and you have been championing on this, on this show from day one. I mean, I like, without giving any, any spoilers, I like the character that came back in the very end. And you re I kept telling myself in this world that Tom Taylor has created, that character needs to be around because why the heck, where the heck is he? Cause well, he, David, you're, you're talking in riddles here. What exactly. character, what character? And it who cares about spoilers? the man of the man of vengeance, the specter. Yeah. Well, well where well, the heck has he been? Well, why does he give a <laughs> shit about any of this? But the thing is, he's he all about, he can't turn on dead, right? Well, he's all about the balance. He's, he's about vengeance, but he's about balance right now. The world is unbalanced as hell. And whenever that happens, the specter shows up. You saw it in blackest night in DC's history. You saw it in a lot of like zero hour. Who was the one that came in when, when, the earth went he's to shit. Specter. I thought he's about vengeance. Vengeance. Well, justice, God's justice. And at the end of the day, you can make a philosophical, philosophical argument. God's ju- God's justice is about keeping the balance. That's what, what Bible have you read? Is that, uh, cause that sounds <laughs> a little made up, Dave. 
<laughs> There's definitely a debate. You could say God is about balance. Well, see, the reason why, as I said, you could do a whole show on the Spectre and talk about his mythos because, dude, I I've seen David, so many things okay. about like what the Spectre stands for in DC. So for it's all you new listeners vengeance. out there, this is what happens when David becomes a super fanboy. Yeah. He starts spinning ideas that weren't even there. Oh and no, he's they, all were like, there. <laughs> they were there. They were there. They were there. They were there. Listen, all you issues. know more about DC as a whole than I do. Yeah. I will openly admit that I am a John Constantine fanatic and I know all types of good and great things about him. But when it comes to the DC world as a whole, I will gladly give you that credit. That's definitely you. But when, but when it comes to like world altering moments, Spectre's there. He's always there. And uh, it, when disease first happened, one of the biggest questions I had was I get that Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman were there. But in all honesty, what about the really big hitters in DC? What about the Phantom Stranger? He has to actually be wondering what the fuck is going on on, wor- on this world. What about Spectre? You could do this with every character, do, though. But all those characters are very important to the fabric of where's the DC's. question. Question, not so much. Question, not so much. Why? Because at the end of the day, he's more about like the ground and uh, like kind of like the grounded heroes. He's the what grounded about animal, stories. vegetable, mineral man. <laughs> that one I will always say, where the hell is he? <laughs> because he would be of great help right now. <laughs> so, Dave, bringing it back to Bring this back, story though. here, the moment I saw the narration read, Constantine makes his move while everyone is essentially preoccupied. I knew this was going to be a fun one. Yes. There were so many great Constantine quips. What's behind the door? A rack of trench coats. <laughs> Etrigan saying, why have you summoned me? You sad Merlin wannabe. And then Constantine replies, you know why? Because you're overreaching for a rhyme. rhyme. <laughs> There's just some great back and forth between John and the rest of, you know, his entourage of go-tos. The back and forth between the ensemble was great, especially when Swamp Thing shows up and tells Dr. Fate the exact same thing Constantine did about the trench coats. It, it didn't skip a beat. It showed there's a camaraderie there that they're all kind of on the same level. It was fun in the way of story. Outside of the fun aspects, quite a bit happened. It was all told through a lens of a con or a sleight of hand, which was fitting for a John Constantine story like this. Yeah. The whole concept of the man with a plan. And none of us know what that plan is, except John Constantine. And of course, Batman Batman. needed to know. And that moment where Batman says, I'll know when you're lying. And John Constantine's all, no, you won't. And then he says, yes, you will. Yes, you will. You're like your dad. Yeah. There was just so many great moments were into into this. This, Not only is this the best issue in terms of story, but I feel like Tom Taylor now has a complete handle on his characters. The characterizations are coming through. You understand you or you can almost see what some of our characters are going to say. It all feels natural, a little more organic is probably a better way of saying that. Uh, Taylor writes also with a specific goal, a story that involves John playing a lot of people in order for him to achieve his goal. That's the overall concept of this issue. Taylor writes with 
in that philosophical theme, the greater good. And we've always heard and seen that used as a bit of an excuse for some of Constantine's decisions that he makes. Many would say and agree that a big part of Constantine's characterization is, in fact, that the greater good. Yes. A few people might die, but I'm going to save billions. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that at the end of the day, John doesn't care about turning on his friends and not in a bad way, as long as it meets his plan. I mean, dude, well, the, what he does to dead man, <laughs> that's messed up. But well, it's needed. He's he's dead. He's dead. He's already <laughs> he'll be living fine. on borrowed time. He's he he'll he'll be fine. But the fact that he's willing to do that to his former allies shows how desperate he is. Exactly. And, and I mean, in the grand scheme of things, what did he really do? He didn't. No one really died. He's right. It's very John Constantine in the way of making those excuses as well. It's that gray area. It's John painting outside of the lines. It's him coloring outside of the lines. It's probably the better way of saying that. You know, Trigon is coming is what Etrigan confirmed. That much yes. we also know and learned. This bit made it possible to bring Swampy back as well into the story in a way that doesn't feel contrived. Uh, let's be honest, many times Taylor's work. And I know I might have some Tom Taylor fans that want to shoot me after saying this. But many times Taylor's work within properties like this can dangerously veer into an area that feels a lot like fanfic. Yeah, because like Taylor wants to really stack the deck against his characters. Well, Dave, if this wasn't sanctioned by DC, I can see fans writing something like this. And then Etrigan shows up and then Swamp exactly. Thing shows up. Then Harley Quinn shows up and then Poison Ivy shows up and then Superman shows up and then Darkseid is a zombie and then the new gods show up. If this was anyone other than Tom Taylor and someone just handed us a script and said, hey, read this. What do you think? I'm like, wow, this is the most convoluted fan fiction story I've ever read in my life. Oh, yeah. yeah. But Tom Taylor does have a knack. That is not an insult. That is a um, it's high praise, in my opinion, coming from me. So stupid. Uh, it's praise. I'm saying that Tom Taylor has a knack of taking these insane, crazy concepts and making them work and not making them feel like simply fan fiction and by having a reason for swamp thing to be brought back into the story it makes it work so crafting a solid reason to include characters is something that i am grateful to have rather than simply say oh yeah and he, here he is he just pops up again for no you know other reason other reason the fact I think that that's why it's really imperative to find out what the hell is john's plan because like it has to be this really cool moment when Constantine's plan comes into play. You don't think the plan's clear already? <sighs> Not quite yet, because I'm sure the there's thing. more to it, but I mean, there, it, there has to be because like, and since the very beginning, Taylor has been stacking the deck, basically saying, well, you got Superman eating the sun. Then you got the, what's happening in the green and of the, all the Amazos. And then all of a sudden the dark side on living shows up. And then all of a sudden, well, everything's got to be brought back into the fold. Yeah. And yeah. like Taylor's throwing all this stuff in. And the only thing that basically is keeping this nice and uh, going the way of like what you said, fan fiction is john constantine's plan that is the that is the overall myth arc that is trying to tie everything together well he's 
He's the linchpin. He's, he's keeping everything linchpin. together. Yeah. And you got to have these moments, you know, when Trigon. Oh, and the Trigon, Trigon thing. Trigon's <laughs> threat to burn all life. That's the reason why Swamp Thing's involved. Because, of course, the green is very much included in, yep. in the definition of all, all life. So finding those reasons to bring those characters back. And also, just like what you said. You know, Taylor has all these different strands of narrative going all over the place. And this is just one of those moments now that have been brought right back into the main myth arc and very, very much connected to what's going on. I mean, the Trigon threat has given Constantine a reason to play fast and loose like the good old days. Uh, This is the first scenario where we see Constantine coloring outside the lines, as I said a moment ago, including only the people he knew would be okay with bending the rules. Yes. Which was the Shadow Pact. Yep. Swamp Thing, as well as additional members of the Bat family. And this plan was simply concocted so far, phase one of John Constantine's plan, because you said you're not quite clear on what he's trying to do. Although this particular issue did bring closure to his his plan, uh, at least phase one. We don't know what phase he's going to do at the end of the day. Exactly. But it was concocted to snag the Spear of Destiny and Shazam's staff. And this meant sneaking into Nanda Parbat, fighting undead League of Assassins, tricking dead man into letting them into the gates, and uh, kind of killing Rama Kushna. Kind of? Kind of. Well, he's... She, She's been asleep for a couple centuries? Yeah, that John, John basically <laughs> said she'll be fine. She's just going to sleep it off. <laughs> I love how he justifies, justifies things everything. to make himself feel better. Hey, John, would you like to go to sleep for 200 years? Well, dude, Probably the, sucks, bro. The very, end, the very end, it was like, even then he justifies like the people he loses because like when Batman says, I saw you took Boston brand, you said no one would die. And then John tells him, I told you I wouldn't kill anyone who wasn't already dead. <laughs> That's kind of fucked up. Constantine. Hey, but listen, I'm team Constantine. He's right. <laughs> He's right. Dead man, you've been dead for how many years since the fucking 1950s. <laughs> you get rest, man. You got to rest. It's time rest. to have peace. Woosa. And go to your final resting place, which is inside of Ragman's dirty rags. Dirty rags, which is messed up. Does anybody ever wash that cloak? That cloak is probably so dingy and smelly. Oh, yeah, dude. That is not a feat that is pleasant. (laughs) That's why I'm like going, the fact that Constantine did that to Deadman is messed up, but it's so Constantine because at the end of the day, he's so driven by the fact that mentally he's telling himself this is the way it has to be and that is one of the greatest traits of Constantine when he gets his mindset on something he's he's gonna follow it to the very end I mean you see it in every single story that he He has been what he's doing he knows what he's doing and if he knows that he has to do something that is not going to be pleasant he's going to fall through with it he's not going to be happy with it yeah but that's why I thought in the very end that last part with Spectre was just so telling that this is const this this version of Constantine, yes, this is the John that we all have grown up with, but this is more. Yes. Yeah. This is Constantine pushed over the edge. All right, well, and we're gonna get into that, but first let's go to a very quick break, Dave, and then we'll jump into all of that stuff. Who the hell do you think I am? Benedict Bloody Cumberbatch. All right, get more House of Mystery and more RMD as a whole. 
when you head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital, and pledge $1 to $10 a month. And when you do that, that actually helps us stay on the air. Even if you don't want more content and you just want to help us out because you enjoy the amount of effort that we put into these podcast episodes, definitely consider pledging. Uh, we do have annual options as well, so you're not stuck with a monthly payment if that's something that's not... If that's something you're not keen on having, you can pay $10 and be done for the year. You can pay $30 and be done for the year and continue to receive whatever content that we do push in those tiers. So help us out. We have a lot to, uh, it's very, it's hard. It's hard, Dave. It's hard. (laughs) It's hard, Dave, to compete with these corporate podcasts nowadays. There's so many people starting podcasts within the celebrity circles and the more of those that pop up, they just eat up the algorithms. Yeah. And honestly, dude, some of the production quality on those podcasts are terrible. Yeah. I mean, the content sucks and you're t- talking about celebrities making six figures and they can't even put together a decent uh, audio package. I mean, come on, <laughs> come motherfuckers. On, use some of that six figures and buy some engineers. Pay me. Why don't you subscribe to my Patreon <laughs> tier? Thank you, celebrities. All right. Patreon.com slash Digital. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, then. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the House of Mystery. All right, Dave, so let's recap here. In one issue, we saw Constantine lie to bats, use Ragman's cloak to trap Boston Brand's spirit, kill a goddess, take the Spear of Destiny and Shazam's staff. And now he's wielding two of the most powerful weapons in DC canon. Does that sound about right? Sounds just about right. All right. And he managed to spark the interest of the Spectre. Let's get into that, Dave. I know you have tons of theories and thoughts. Oh, yeah. That panel where Constantine is wielding the two weapons and the Spectre is looming over him. That is my number one favorite, favorite panel in the entire issue. I agree, Dave. That's some really great imagery. There's got to be there's got to be some foreshadowing there, right? Yeah. Why do you introduce the Spectre this late in the game? Issue 5, we have uh, two issues left before the conclusion of Dead Planet. Why do you introduce a mega entity like the Spectre? Is he simply disturbed by the amount of power that John Constantine has in his hand? but went with it and didn't try to stop him because JC's plan involved vengeance. For now, I will let you do whatever you're doing because your plan is about vengeance. Vengeance. 
But the moment that plan is over, I'm going to be paying you another visit. Exactly. Is this leading to another story? Is this a spinoff attempt? It feels big to bring in the specter in issue five. Oh, yeah. Because, like, the one thing that I give Tom Taylor credit, like what I said earlier about stacking the deck, yeah, he knows how to make the situation feel very grave because he understands the DC universe. He understands if I'm going to use this character, there's a reason behind it and we're going to make it count, you know, bringing in the specter, you're bringing in the big guns. You're bringing in an entity that not very many, even like not many writers, not many writers know how to utilize the character very well. Yeah. Because he's so powerful. And the fact that, Constantine gets his attention and the re and the, my favorite part is he basically says, Oh, let me guess the, uh, why am I not surprised? He said something on the lines of the spirit of wrath is happy that I get punched in the face <laughs> that I deserve a punch in the face. And then like, he's standing there with the two staves or two spears and the specter basically says, well, you have an item that can kill me, can kill me. This has me concerned. Right. So, so it raised and right flags and it and it raises the the potential the power potential that constantine wields now because we as the writers get, understand now he has a item that can kill the specter it's also very dangerous territory because we know yes john constantine is a good person with good intentions but we know many times when he attempts to do some of these insane plans it falls apart and people get hurt. And the fact that this guy has two of the most powerful weapons in DC canon and he's holding them and no one, not one person tried to take it from him either. Like Batman didn't say, Hey, let me take one of those from you, buddy. No, he's just walking around with it. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous. We're in dangerous territory now, even if he's using it for good, which it's a hundred percent chance he's using it for good. There is no ill will. But we know there's going to be a consequence. That's the entire thing when it comes to John Constantine and every story he's a part of. There's always a price to pay. Well, here's the thing that that has me interested. In the very end, when he talks to the specter, he basically alludes to the specter that why do you think I'm using this? And why do you think I know you're going to allow me to do it because of why I'm wanting to do this? And. Is there something more to that, you think? I think there's more to it. Because he because said it's about vengeance. But it's about it, vengeance. But that's a no-brainer. Of course it's about vengeance. You're trying to, you know, stop the things that are killing everyone. But it seemed like there was a little bit more to there's it, There's a little right? bit more to it. And that's what has me really intrigued with Constantine because it's kind of like, we also, after, the, after I finished this issue, I came to the realization, well, wait a minute. We don't really understand how much Constantine has been like this stuck on this world, trying to be the hero, trying to do the right thing. And everyone is dying around him, but he's trying to make the last five years. We don't really, I I feel that we barely know the toll that it's taken on him mentally because we saw it that he in the bar in the very beginning, right? The way we start this season or this uh, series is Constantine at the bar remembering all the fallen friends that he he uh, lost? Lost, yeah. And we get to this point, and it's like I'm uh, Constantine telling the Spectre, "I'm doing this for vengeance because of everybody that I've lost." 
Vengeance against who? Who is John blaming for this? <laughs> well, we'll soon find out. <laughs> that is the, and then that's what it clicked in my head. I'm like, going, I can understand Constantine being upset about the whole situation, but who's the one that he wants vengeance on? Yeah. Who does he blame for this? <laughs> hey, listen, my mind was going in the same direction. Like, who, what are we talking about here? I mean, we have the obvious. Yeah. I mean, we have the obvious vengeance. He wants to get at, he wants to get, he wants to take the fight. He wants to quit playing defense and play some offense. I get that. But who's his target? Who's his target? It can't, he doesn't <laughs> need those types of weapons to fight uh, the undead. I mean, it's, it's I mean, obviously he's not aware that dark side has come back yet. Exactly. So, so there's something else in his crosshairs. And it, and it, the only thing I could think about is like Constantine should know how the whole thing how deceased first started with cyborg showing up. Oh, maybe he should kill cyborg. And I'm like, going, let's be head. Would he again. be angry at cyborg? But why? He no, just, he's not. Yeah, he's that. not. But so I'm who else? Jokes. Can, <laughs> but who else could he possibly blame for this? I don't know. Has anyone ever had sex with Zatanna behind his back? But look out. <laughs> you, you, that's my girl. I think that would be like you, though, not Constantine. I would do that with Shazam's staff. I would make sure they pay. <laughs> like, you take Zatanna away from me. <laughs> that's vengeance. Spectre would understand. That's vengeance. Yeah. All right. So Tom Taylor has a good grasp on Constantine within the deceased stories. Yes. Within the disease. As I said at the top of the show, this might possibly be the best Constantine issue since the one shot Good Day to Die. And just to contrast Taylor's other work with Constantine, I'm baffled. <laughs> I'm baffled. Are we going to go there, Mike? Yes, are we, we are. Are we going to go there? Uh, yes, we are, David. I need a fucking weapon for rise and fall. <laughs> I'm baffled okay. that he does. A, a more than adequate job with John and deceased. Yes. A more than adequate more than job. Adequate. But for some reason, in Hellblazer Rise and Fall, it feels very rough. No, 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 dude. It doesn't feel just rough. And maybe it's the narrative itself. Maybe it, the hell, the Hellblazer Rise and Fall issues, maybe they're just kind of, because they're more nuanced, maybe he's not focused as much and deceased is large and that's what he does very well so he's able to it's, he's, it's more within his wheelhouse so maybe he's writing in a, in a comfort zone so he can handle things like john constantine's characterization because in rise and fall it just feels a little flat it and feels I, and I, lazy dude let's call it what it is it is lazy and i've only read issue one just to be fair so far but I, i'm baffled that a man that can do such a great job with constantine and yes, this isn't a Constantine story. This is a uh, this is a DC high concept idea. But I'm not talking about in terms of Hellblazer, exactly. the Hellblazer title. I'm talking about John Constantine as a character taken out from his usual um, more nuanced stories. Tom Taylor obviously gets the character of Constantine, and he does a great job with him in Deceased. And then you read rise and fall and it doesn't even feel like it's from the same writer yeah i'm I, so confused i will be honest i've read issue two i've read both issues. no spoilers yes no spoilers but i have to say me and you have discussed how what it, the problems with issue one issue two it's a little better 
but it still feels lazy. That is the word that I put to rise and fall. When at the end of the day, after I've read it, it's ho hum. It's boring. Oh it's, wow, David. It, there's no there there just is no no substance to it. Yeah. Because it's lazy. It just feels like he's not even I, I don't know if not I even would... using Constantine to his best benefit. I feel uncomfortable calling Tom Taylor lazy. Perhaps it's just not within his wheelhouse. It's just not his thing. This deceased is more his thing. It's like asking Steven Spielberg. Okay, so you have Steven Spielberg who does great high concept action pieces, right? Yeah. And he always does he does different genres, but it's always the same type of thing. But let's say you hired Steven Spielberg to do a rom-com. Do you think you'd actually write the hell out of that? No. It'd feel weird and consistent because it's not his thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's the problem when we're contrasting his two works, his two pieces of work here. I don't feel like a small story like Hellblazer is really within his wheelhouse. It's just not his thing. Uh, I think you're onto something. I I really do think you're onto something, especially after reading issue two of Rise and Fall. It's kind of like you expected more out of it. Yeah. And we'll get into it more. We have a Rise and Fall discussion planned here after the holiday. Yeah. Um, All right, Dave. My, I don't think we need final thoughts. I think people get it. But my RMD score uh, for issue four, uh, 79%. For issue five, 86%. Okay. And I want to say this. Can we get a Shadow Pack spinoff, please? <laughs> you and me both. In the same universe as Deceased? That would be great. That'd be really cool. I mean, let Taylor do his own version of, of a Justice League dark story in another universe. That'd be great. That'd be fun. That would I be think fun. he would do a really good job with it, honestly. Oh, yeah. Especially if he has the characters that he wants. If it's a character he wants in the story, I notice, then Taylor just... Knocks it out of the park. Yeah. All right, Dave. So any final thoughts and your scores? Final thoughts on this one. I actually really dug issue number four and also issue number five. Both are a different slice of what I love about DC. Uh, Issue number four in regards to this show has nothing to do with Constantine and his friends, but I give issue number four 88. I really like the concept. What? An 88? Really? An 88. Because I love the, the, I've always been a fan of the new gods. And that's, that's my fandom as a new gods. Because right. when you actually get to study the new gods as characters, they're really interesting. I mean, you're talking about, like, talking about characters that pull inspiration from Greek mythology. <laughs> and yeah, the, I get that. Classics. It's I just felt like the amazing. scripting was a little off. Uh that's just my yeah. Hey, for, don't let me interrupt you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But uh, so with issue number four, I gave it 88. With number with number five, I gave a 90. I thought he hammered it out of the park where he needed to for Constantine. This is about Constantine. We finally get to see his game plan. The game plan is to get these two weapons enough to kill something that is stronger than a god. So and he and on top of that. Adding the influence that Constantine's not doing this with good intention. He's doing this out of vengeance. So this 
There's some need good breadcrumbs there, yeah. There's some really good breadcrumbs for a character, uh, from like a character story arc to actually see what happens in the end. Because by the end of this, I don't think, I don't think the heroes are going to trust Constantine after this, even though he might come out in the end and, and save the day. I think he's going to lose a lot of friends, but he's going to be the one that saves everyone. I think that would be fantastic on it. In my opinion, this is just my thought after four and five. I think Constantine's going to be deemed the villain of deceased. Oh, simmer down. That's how, because dude, I just have this weird feeling because like when people find out Constantine's plan and then whatever he decides to do, it's going to be kind of like almost, there's going to be a clash. Dave, obviously, because I mean, opposing ideologies. Yeah. And um, John Constantine believes in collateral damage. And, but, and that's a really great, that's fine. That's a great character uh, defining uh, theme for Constantine. However, when you look at the characters and the heroes around him, Superman, do you think Superman's going to want that? No. Absolutely not. And he's fake <laughs> Superman anyways. <laughs> John. Fake Batman, fake Superman, fake Wonder Woman. It's all right. It's F all right. Em. F him. I think the way you know what? What's weird? I think that's what makes this story work is the fact that it's not the original characters. No, I agree. I like that dynamic. That's something you yeah. and I talked about for, <laughs> I believe, our discussion on issue one. That's one of the highlights is that we're dealing with a new generation of heroes. And it was nice to see that Constantine is essentially the, the veteran of the crew. The veteran of the and crew. a lot of them are going to him asking him for advice. And, so and it's definitely worked up to this point. It's and, worked up to this point. Yeah. All right. So this does bring us to an end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Make sure you give us reviews and thumbs up on iTunes and Stitcher. If you haven't taken an opportunity to do that and you do listen to us on Stitcher and iTunes, I have to ask, why do you listen to us if you don't leave us a review? <laughs> I mean, I, I just just to be honest there. Um, all right. That does end <laughs> our discussion. Thank you, David. Thank you. My name is John Constantine. I'm the one who steps from the shadows, all trench coat and arrogance. I'll drive your demons away, kick them in the bollocks and spit on them when they're down, leaving only a nod and a wink and a wisecrack. I'll walk my path alone, because let's be honest, who'd be crazy enough to walk it with me?